Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the Greater Vancouver area. We're here to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle. I am 42, and I'm a busy mommy of two, Alexandre, who is two-year-old, and Nathan, who is five months old. November is Prematurity Awareness Month, and today we are welcoming three moms who will be sharing their own personal preemie stories. So let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. Hi everyone, I'm Heather Fox, I'm the co-host of Parent Talk. I am 41 and I have a son named Hudson and he is 22 months old and I am also expecting baby number two. Hi, my name is Catherine Thompson, I'm 37, I'm a parent of uh, almost, or she just turned three years old, Uh, she was born at 24 weeks gestation and I currently work for Yellow Pages as a media consultant. Hi, my name's Lee. I am 47. I'm the old lady here. And uh, I had two preemies, um, one at 34 weeks and one 35 weeks. And uh, yeah, that's my story. <laughs> They were both uh, uh, breech babies and both C-section deliveries. And what you do for a living? I'm a professional photographer. Hi, my name is Chantel Lorio. I have an 11-month-old son who was born at 34 weeks, and I work in education administration at Simon Fraser University. Well, thank you, ladies, for being here. It's awesome to have all of you guys around the table. So, Heather, can you actually read us a definition of what it is a premature baby? Yeah, sure. So medically, any baby who is born before 37 weeks of pregnancy is a premature baby. Premature babies have different levels of prematurity um, prematurity levels, uh, the risk being higher for an earlier birth. So babies born before 26 weeks of pregnancy are at the highest risk and also referred to as micro preemies. Special care coupled with lots of positivity and attention is very essential to give your baby the best chance of surviving a premature birth easily. So today we have Katrin here, uh, and we're going to start with you. And uh, you had a micropermie, right? So can you tell us about your experience? Yeah, so um, I ended up going into preterm labor at 22 weeks. I didn't know that I was actually in labor. I was sitting at work, and I was in a lot of back pain. And I happened to go to the washroom at my lunch break to... And I noticed that there was blood, so of course I was starting to panic, and I had my friend take me to uh, St. Paul's Hospital, because I was working downtown at the time, and they actually told me I was in labor, I was three centimeters dilated, and that I was going to be having the baby that day, and I said, that's absolutely not happening, I'm not having this child today, I'm like, you need to do something to save her. I asked them to do an emergency cerclage, which is a stitch to close up the cervix to try to hold her in. Uh, They didn't really seem on board with that, but they did do a consult with BC Women's and they did decide that, yes, they would try to do an emergency cerclage. So they started giving me medication to stop the labor. And then the next day I was booked for surgery and they did put a McDonald's stitch in uh, to hold her in. I was put out to 
to get the stitch put in. Unfortunately, the next two days they had checked the stitch and it actually had slipped. So they figured that she would be coming anytime. So I was on strict bed rest at St. Paul's and they actually had me inclined. So my head was down lower and my legs were up to try to use gravity to keep her in. And I stayed on bed rest like that until I hit 23 weeks. And then they moved me to BC Women's. They transported me there and I was in their antepartum department. And uh, I made it another week and I my water broke and I ended up having her the following Sunday at 9.48 p.m. My labor was long because my water had actually broken the day before and they had brought me down all day and nothing was progressing. So I went back up to my room and then the next morning they had they had actually brought me back down again. And then I was there from like 8.30 in the morning until I actually had her. And I didn't think that she was going to come that time either. And I declined the epidural at about 7 p.m., regretting that decision because all of a sudden (laughs) within a half an hour the labor started coming and it was all back labor so it was excruciatingly painful for the labor but she ended up coming out she was born at one pound five ounces and then it was a terrible labor after because they had to rush her off to resuscitate her and I was still in labor in back labor because my placenta wouldn't deliver properly it was coming out in pieces so they ended up having to rush me up to surgery to do um, a dnc so i didn't even get to go and see her until i got out of surgery maybe around i think it was like after midnight sometime and then they took me down for a quick visit in the nicu but i was completely not with it at that time and then they took me back up to my room and I I didn't get to see her till the next morning so do you know why you had a premature baby uh yeah they did tell me that it was because due to an incompetent cervix so they said that the chances of me going preterm again um are about 90 percent chance so if I do end up getting pregnant again or decide to have another child they'll end up putting in a cerclage after I've passed the first semester mm-hmm and Lee, can you tell us about your experience? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we are going back 18 years now. So it was a hot summer's day and I was um, feeling quite a bit of Braxton's on that particular day. And uh, we went out, saw some friends in the evening and I was feeling pretty tired, went to bed, um, woke up and went, I think my water just broke, alerted my husband and we headed up to the hospital and I was fully expecting them to sort of give me a pat on the head and go, Thanks very much. We'll see you again in a few weeks. And uh, they checked me out and said, you're already four centimeters dilated. You are a breech. You are a breech baby, which I'd only just found out a few days before. And uh, it was the option at that point was an automatic C-section. And I I, actually know it was second delivery that had the... um, it had changed that it was an automatic C-section. At the time, they actually said to me, the doctor was very polite and asked me if I wanted to give it a go (laughs) vaginally, and I was like, no. And uh, so, yeah, my water broke at just after midnight and 3.34 a.m. There's my little baby, and I don't know, for all of you who've had a C-section, usually there's a lot of shaking involved afterwards, and 
they are, she's just been delivered and they give her to me to hold and I'm shaking so much. I was so worried I was going to shake her to pieces. And I basically just stared at, you know, my husband and just said, please just go with her. She's no longer part of me. I've gone in less in just over three hours from having this baby safely inside of me to I'm now numb from my chest down this place caught on fire I couldn't leave so you it's now the most important thing is that you go with her and so off they went and yeah that was that was my first delivery so as I'm the only one here with two babies um, for the second time round, they watched me a lot more carefully because I'd had a preterm delivery first time round, and they discovered that I had um, oleohydramnios, which is like virtually zero amniotic fluid. So I must have had a very gradual leak through both deliveries, which is what brought on the uh, preterm labor. Um, with my son, they actually put me on bed rest. So I had 16 days on bed rest in hospital because you don't bed rest with a two and a half year old. And uh, <laughs> which is, I've been, <laughs> yeah, I've been shoveling snow and I checked myself into hospital and got myself into bed and walked down the passage to go and get a cup of tea and walk back into my room. And the nurse comes in and she goes, I checked your file. You're on bed rest with bathroom privileges. And I'm like, so? She goes, so that little daily down the passage to go and get a cup of tea? Uh-uh, no more for you. That's it. So suddenly I was like, okay, I'm used to running around after a two-and-a-half-year-old, and here I am have to sit in my bed. And I can tell you, you hate your sheets after about a day. Um, the TV's terrible, and, you know, you just crave visitors, and, man, do you ever want outside food. So, But those are, you know, the only things. But my water broke again. He, I managed to keep him an extra week. So at about 35 weeks or so, my water broke and I was like, oh, I know what this means. <laughs> and by that stage in the game, after two weeks of being in the hospital, I knew all the nurses, I knew the doctors, and I hadn't pushed the buzzer on my bed once in that time. And I hit at that point. <laughs> they all came running, what is it? <laughs> and it was like, I think my water just broke. And so it was, um, and so as I was already at the hospital, they just took me over to the delivery side, and they said, well, we've actually got another mom here who's more urgent than you. She's at nine centimeters. I'm like, give her the room. I'm fine. <laughs> so I went back and waited around, and he was born 11.30, uh, yeah, 11.34 p.m. that night. And uh, my daughter had been 3.30. Yeah, you've got, to try and you've got to remember the times of your baby's births. <laughs> but two premies is something, two, right? Two, so, yeah, wow. so to, to have both of them. But you know what? They were... They're both, I mean, one's 18, one's 15 right now. So we'll probably talk about it later about what it's like having preemies in the beginning. But uh, I think our feelings are all the same, though I can imagine the same anxiety, the stress, the uh, fear are all the same, whether you had your baby 18 years ago, 60 years ago, or Are just now. last month, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. I think we all feel the same way about what it's like to have a preemie baby. So. And for you, uh, Chantal, can you uh, tell us about your experience? Yep, I um, I was it was just after Christmas, and I was battling with a chest cold and a head cold for about ten days already. And I woke up at three in the morning with kind of some cramps, but I just thought that it was digestion because I had slow digestion at the beginning. And so I went to the mall, my daily mall trip, to walk around and try and get things moving and just 
just kind of go about my day and I had walked around the mall and I had gone to the bathroom and then I had noticed there was a little bit of spotting and I hadn't had any spotting at all. It was very slight though, like super, super slight. So I wasn't super worried about it, but a friend of mine who had already been pregnant with her second child said, I think you should call your midwife. Um, and I was like, no, I haven't even had Braxton Hicks. Like, I don't need to call it. I don't want to be that person that's like six weeks early saying, yeah, I'm having a baby. Um, but she really pushed me and pushed me to, to call my midwife. So I did call the midwife and the midwife had said, um, well, I can't really rule out preterm labor over the phone. So you're going to have to come in. So I called my husband and I said, oh, we have to go in. And I called my friend and told her I was going to go in because she was worried about me. And I said, should I even pack a bag? She's like, of course you should pack a bag. I was like, well, I don't see why. They're just going to send me home. Um, But I did reluctantly. And uh, I downloaded a contraction app when I was in the car with my husband. And I called my midwife and she said, okay, so like, what are the cramps? Like, how far away are they? I said, well, they're every two minutes and they last a minute. She's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you need to get here. (laughs) I was like, no, it's fine. Like, I still really feel feel like it's just digestion, you know, like nothing crazy. I don't know. Like when I imagine labor pains, I imagine like the TV you're screaming at the top of your lungs because you're in labor. At the beginning, it's not like that. At the end, hmm, different story. So I go to the hospital. They check me. I'm two centimeters dilated, which doesn't really mean too much because some people are two centimeters for a couple of weeks or more. Um, And they said, okay, well, we'll check you in about two hours pain got worse. They did some blood work. They came back after the blood work about 45 minutes when the cramping got worse. Um, and they were whispering about something and they said, well, you're really sick. I said, yeah, I know I've had this head cold and chest cold for 10 days. Like I'm coughing like crazy. My bladder's leaking. I have to wear these pads all the time because my bladder's leaking. And they said, um, they said, okay, well, we're going to check you again. They checked again. You're four centimeters dilated after 45 minutes. They said, you're having this baby today. I was like, no. They're like, yeah, you're having a baby today. I'm like, all right, I guess. You said They said it even if I wasn't already in labor, they would have induced labor. But at the time, they didn't tell me why. Um, and it turns out that I had preeclampsia, which was undiagnosed because um, I didn't have high blood pressure or any of the other symptoms. Um, until I really had the symptoms and they were surprised that I didn't have a seizure or anything when I was in the mall because my liver enzymes, the normal level is zero to 36 and they were over 1200. So the doctors and nurses were losing their beans. (laughs) (laughs) They had no idea how I was walking around the mall shopping for sweaters. (laughs) Awesome. So, Catherine, were you worried about uh, your baby weight gain for a long time? Yeah, for most of, like, pretty much till she was a year, we were tracking, like, nonstop, like, every milliliter going into her. And we had feeding issues when we started doing solids, and she had to see a pediatric dietitian to make sure that she was gaining weight and giving us tips on what to do or what to feed her, try to they pretty much told us she can eat anything that you you restrict yourself from eating. So put butter on everything, stick olive oil in her food, fatten her up, just put all the fats into her food, give her ice cream if she wants ice cream, whatever, try anything. Wow. 
forget all the rules. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just feed her whatever she'll eat. And because for the first year, I did exclusively pump for her, but at around a year is when my milk started dwindling off. And because at that time, she's really four months like earlier corrected wise. So she's only eight months. So we, I still needed to keep her on formula or breast milk. So we had to fortify her formula where it's, you're adding more powder than water so that it's a higher calorie count for her bottles. So we had to do that until she actually made it to a year corrected, which would have been about 16 months before we started actually going full force on like whole milk and more solids in her diet. But she still has issues with weight now because she's only, she's three years old and she's only 26 pounds. So she's a very, very skinny child. Like her dad is fairly slim. And when I was a child, I was very slim as well. So it could be part of genetics too, but I think it's mainly because she was so premature. Mm -hmm. And for you, Lee, were you worried about your baby weight gain? And that would be my baby, not my weight gain, right? Yes. <laughs> and I should say your babies. Yes, my baby. <laughs> Sydney, two. my daughter, took a little bit of time just getting, well, just as first-time mums, just getting breastfeeding established, learning what it was like to do the latch. And uh, certainly the two weeks that we had in special care nursery, the support from the nurses was invaluable. Even though they all had slightly different opinions, it was still very, very helpful to just have somebody there getting it all sorted out. So by the time they, she came home, felt a little bit better and able to handle it on my own. Um, but by about four months, my milk was dwindling quite a lot. I think it was uh, contraceptive pill related. Um, so I ended up, she wasn't gaining weight, so I ended up having to uh, supplement her. So at about six months, we had, were doing combination of bottle and and Brayton by a year that, that was completely finished. Uh, my son, on the other hand, um, yeah, he was, <laughs> he he struggled quite a bit in the hospital just to, to get started with feeding. He would have had the nasal tube in there and uh, they... Uh, they they say would, the boys take longer. Yeah, and again, I think what they did then each time was certainly with my daughter, they'd have to introduce the tube down her throat every time they fed her. And, and then within two and a half years, they changed it and actually went through through the nose so that was much easier with feeding him he did not ever tolerate formula very well when they gave it to him in the hospital but it, as soon as there was any breast milk which came in much quicker that was I was able to give it to him that stayed in and uh, as I was saying it was very interesting I brought him home in the first week he he gained a pound in the first week when wow. I brought him home he was a whopper once he figured out where the food came from <laughs> we, we never really looked back so I live in fear he'll listen to this and kill me. <laughs> but anyway, yes, no, that was that was the difference. And um, I did not take the pill the second time, and I had enough milk to support him. And there was another mum in the nursery, and we had a, an arrangement where I gave her my extra milk. And uh, it was we were doing it without them, you know, without him. It was our personal choice, and. Uh, She always said that she kept my milk special for in the evenings because it would knock her son out. He would sleep all night long. Special milk. Yeah, exactly. It was it was good stuff. So it was you know that that was the difference. That's really um, nice of you. Yeah. So it was uh, you know it was a great time. I still think breastfeeding is just amazing and Mm -hmm. it's beautiful to watch. And yeah. yeah. And for you, Chantal, are you still worried? Were you worried about your baby weight gain? Well, certainly uh, when you're in the NICU. 
that's really what they drive into you. Like your baby has to regulate their own temperature. They have to hold their own weight or they have to continually gain weight um, and they have to eat on their own. So those were the three like milestones. So for the first two weeks he was in the NICU, um, he was uh, breastfed but by uh, the NG tube in his nose or by the uh, by a bottle occasionally. And then we would try and breastfeed um, usually only once a day at the beginning. I would go home and I would pump every three hours and I would bring all my milk in the morning back to the hospital um, so that he could have uh, breast milk. But I was always worried every day I checked how much milk I had and how much he was drinking and I was obsessed with the numbers. And then as soon as I came home, he was mostly bottle fed uh, with the pumped milk because I was so worried about whether or not he would gain weight. Um, so I would track how much I was pumping, how much he would eat, how much he would gain. I'd bring him, drag him down to the um, community health office so that I could weigh him constantly. I still weigh him constantly. And then now we have apps and stuff where you can track their weight on apps and see whether or not they're by scale based on their premature age, based on their non-premature age, and whether or not they're kind of following the right curve. Um, and now... He's 11 months old and he doesn't eat a lot of solid food and it's really a challenge to get him to eat anything other than breast milk. And I'm not so worried about him gaining weight. I'm more worried about him eating something other than breast milk so that when I go back to work, I don't have to pump constantly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I will, but I would like to pump a little bit less and know that he's okay and not have that stress of having to pump and make sure that he has enough milk, you know, that's, I think that was probably the most stressful part. Um, cause it's, some of it is out of your control. Like I remember new year's pumping for 10 minutes and he had just been born and I'm pumping for 10 minutes and nothing came out, nothing. And I burst into tears and the NICU nurse was like, I think you just need some rest. Just skip the 3am pump or whatever you're going to do and just sleep. So yeah, I'm still worried about his weight now. Um, but not as much as I was at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Are there any existing health issues as a result of your baby being born premature, Catherine? Well, currently, um, she did have to have ROP surgery, which is retinal of prematurity, where the blood vessels in the eye are start to detach from the retina. So she did have to have laser surgery on her eyes. And then we went and had a follow-up with the ophthalmologist. And at 11 months, she we were told she needed glasses. So she does wear glasses for that. And um, How do you keep those on? Oh, it was so <laughs> hard. Like, she... Our daycare lady was a godsend. She got the got her to keep them on. She wear, That's the only way she started wearing them was actually daycare got her to wear them all day long. And now she likes wearing them. She actually asks to put them on or when she wants to put them on. And now she knows same, same. Mommy wears glasses. I wear glasses. So she likes doing same, same of everything right now. So she wears them a lot more often now pretty much all the time. Um, except when she's at home, sometimes she takes them off and then she doesn't want to put them back on. But at daycare, she wears them all day long, which is good. Also, she has um, her feet kind of splay out. So, and because she had low muscle tone from being premature, she does wear orthotics as well in her shoes. 
What about her, her, her language development? How is she now at three? Is she talking a lot more? She, oh, my God. She doesn't shut up. She's just <laughs> a little blabber mouth now. She loves to sing. But at, at around two, I was starting to get really worried because she barely talked. She didn't really talk to anyone. If anyone asked her questions or anything, she won't talk to other people. She would just talk to me and my husband, Dale. And, and for the longest time, our IDP worker was super worried and wanted to see her uh, refer to the speech pathologist. And I'm like, no, she talks. I promise she talks. Like She does have words. And the IDP even went to visit her at daycare and daycare's like, I don't understand. She's not talking for you. She does talk at daycare too. <laughs> and then uh, by the time we actually ended up seeing the speech therapist, um, she was fine. She was talking more and then her by the summertime, she just, her words just exploded and keep coming. And now she can talk full sentences. No problem. She says everything. So well, no issues now, but I was really worried around too, cause she was only saying a few words and she would only talk to me and Dale and a little bit at daycare. <laughs> and for you, Lee? I guess with, uh, having a breech babies, uh, certainly with my daughter, she was born and her hips were out of sockets. So you'd lay this baby down and her both of her legs would flop on either side of her, so we, she had to have a brace. Uh, apart from that, her we had quite a bit of bronchiolitis and breathing issues, and any time she got a cold, we'd have to go to the hospital because you'd get what they call the paradoxical breathing, which is the, the chest and stomach alternate when they're breathing and little horse racing nose, which means they're having a hard time getting air in. So we had a few trips of those, which were expected as well. And, but she outgrew those by two. And um, as far as language development, she was actually amazing. She was all over the language, loved her books, was teaching everybody the names of birds by the age of two. I mean, it was just, you know, that's what she was like. My son definitely uh, took a lot longer with the words, a lot longer. He was a man of little words. <laughs> but uh, cookie. Mookie. Moon. <laughs> Moon. He just had just a few, but he let us know what he needed and um, did quite a bit of sign language with him. And then we just figured out, actually, you know what? He's got a lot more words. He's he's getting, we know exactly what's going on. So he, he was fine after that. So those were about the only ones. And him, even though he was a breech baby with the boys, their pelvises are not as um, affected by the being out of socket. So he did not have to have any sort of a brace. His, his hips were okay. One advantage of being a boy. Mm. <laughs> and for you, Chantal, um, any existing health issue as a result of your baby being born premature? Uh, well, when he was born, he was head down but face up. So they ended up doing forceps-assisted delivery. And with that forceps assistance, they did a brachial plexus pull. So it's the nerves in your from your shoulder to your arm. They had actually pulled, and when he came out, his little arm was like limp, and it was kind of like 
his hand was facing upwards. Like it was a really awkward looking sort of position, but it's a very common injury for labor, not just for septicisted. Um, it's a very common injury and usually it resolves on their own. It's actually so common. There's a whole center in Toronto dedicated to those type of injuries. Um, so that's the only thing that he had when he was born. We did hit the sweet spot of premature babies, 34 weeks, 34 and four days. Uh, so his lungs were fully developed. He didn't have any uh, breathing issues when he was first born. Um, he got to sit on me for about 10 minutes. And then his he started to labor a little bit, but n not too much. He, he resolved quickly after that. And now we don't have any issues, um, no breathing issues so far, um, no allergies that I know of. The big thing that the hospital had said uh, that they were worried about was breathing issues and severe allergies. Um, so hopefully, knock on wood, uh, we don't have either one of those issues. So we're good mm. so far. I'd have to say, though, with uh, my daughter and her breathing issues and stuff, that was only post one year. So between one and two, that winter, mm -hmm. which you'll have probably a year from now, you may, or mm -hmm. going into it, you may see more if he does have any sort of breathing issues, because I know with my daughter, her lungs, when she was born, there wasn't enough surfactant. And so her little chest would collapse every time. So, and that's just, <laughs> until you've seen a tiny baby with their little lung, just their chest collapse every time they breathe out is, is just unbelievable. Sounds but, heartbreaking. Uh, oh, Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you as you were saying, she was also 34, 34 and four, but mm -hmm. just obviously just didn't have that. Uh, I wonder if, um, because your labor, they were able to actually give you some uh, steroids they probably gave it to you while you were still in labor to try and... They uh, gave me a whole lot of things. I know they gave me a lot of stuff. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I had stuff for preeclampsia. I had stuff for my cold. I had antibiotics. I had mm. fluids. I was also, because my liver enzymes were so high, I was drinking. I drank, we calculated about 20 liters of water during my labor. I could not get enough of water. My mouth was just so dry. And the, um, doctors had said after it was my body's way of trying to dilute the liver enzymes and get that sort of flush that out of my system, but I could not drink enough water. And then when we were, I was pushing with the forceps to try and get them out. I couldn't have any water and I had to like hold my breath and push at the same time. It was awful. <laughs> Something interesting here is, uh, Katrin and, uh, Chantal, both of you were preemie baby, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think, um, Catherine, your father was... Yeah, my father was baby. very premature. He set one of the records at um, Calgary Foothills Hospitals, being one of the smallest babies ever born there back in his time. He's, like, over 65 now. Um, so he was quite premature, and then I was... Born. I'm not sure exactly how many weeks I was. I think I was about two and a half months early and I was three pounds and two ounces when I was born. So I was quite premature as well. Yeah. And for me, my, I was nine weeks early and I was two pounds, two ounces. And my mom was a month early. My grandma actually had six children. All of them were early. Um, the latest that she had her babies was one month early. 
All the rest were earlier than that. Wow. So a little bit of family history here, maybe, right? One of the doctors had told me that if you, as the mom, was a premature baby, you are more likely, not guaranteed, but more likely to have a premature baby. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it follows the same statistic if the husband was a premature baby, but for sure if the mom was a premature baby. I know. Well, if there's three of us here and two of you are with yeah. significant, I'd say that's 66% right yeah. here. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely considerable, that's, Yes, right? absolutely. Wow. And then with my, my mom, because she had an incompetent cervix as well, she actually had 10 miscarriages. <gasps> wow. And then uh, I have an older brother that was born a year before me, and he was born quite premature. And he actually, I, I don't know how many weeks early he was, but he actually only had the two layers of skin. He was actually transparent when he was born. He only survived three weeks after he was born and then no. passed away, unfortunately. And then my mom had me as premature. And then my younger brother was a month premature as well. Wow. So Katrin, how do you measure your preemie age to monitor her uh, developmental milestones? Well, because she was so premature, we have to go by corrected age. So the we see the neonatal follow-up clinic until she's three years corrected. So they still look at milestones based on her her corrected age until she's three. Um, normally, though, with premiums, they do say that they start to catch up by two. So currently, like, she's meeting all her milestones and then some exceeding. So she's pretty much caught up to this point and we'll have our full, our final follow-up clinic um, when she hits three. So later in March, she'll have that and then we'll see where she's at and how they feel if they'll discharge her from the clinic or they'll still continue to follow her. And for you, Lee, did you always use the corrected age for your uh, children? I think with my first, just for a little while, she was kept caught up really quickly anyway. So, you know, apart from give or take a week or two here on, on the major milestones, by a year it was really insignificant. And with my son, he was he caught up really quickly. So I would say it's, it hasn't been that big of a deal for us after about the age of one. Mm-hmm. And for you, uh, Chantel? Um, I used uh, corrected age when it's convenient. (laughs) You know, when he's meeting or exceeding milestones, I'm like, yeah, you know, he's only uh, a month and a half less than what he is. No, Uh, for the most part, I do use a corrected age as well, um, just to make sure that he's hitting the milestones that he's supposed to be hitting. If he's exceeding them, then that's just a benefit. I had seen a health nurse who did like an ages and stages questionnaire, and she had said that um, if they're exceeding, it doesn't necessarily mean they're better or they're exceptional. Um, It just means that they're doing well. Awesome. And my favorite question, do you have any advice for our listeners on how to support a family with a premature baby, Catherine? Uh, just lots of support. Like I had, um, I had joined two Facebook groups for my birth group because her due date was March 2nd. So I joined a February and a March due date group. So they, they were really my lifeline. They, they had actually, um, pulled together money and, and gave that to me, um, when I was in the hospital in preterm. So they had bought me, um, presents and stuff and actually had given me like $500 in cash to put wow. towards. Because were you ready? Like We weren't ready. No. I, I had a few clothes that I had I bought for her, but we hadn't got the stroller. We hadn't got the car seat. We hadn't gotten anything. And of course, because I was on bed rest for the two weeks 
Dale had to take time off work, so he was losing wages there to be with me at the hospital. He was pretty much sleeping on the on the floor on those lovely cot mats that they have. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say my the Facebook groups I joined was my my village. I still am part of those Facebook groups and talk to them, and I have some really great friends out of out of that those groups that I, I see regularly and talk to regularly now, that was one of my biggest lifelines. Cause you find out who your real friends are when you're going through such a crisis like that in your life. Cause I did lose a few friends who I thought were really close friends of mine. And they were not a good support at that time. They weren't a good support at the time. And they pretty much disappeared out of my life. I think that's pretty common with most milestones, though, in your life. Marriage, children, mm-hmm. when you move, you know, you really find out who those true friends are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for you, Leah, any advice? Well, being that I uh, had babies before, I mean, we had was dial-up internet, right? So <laughs> there was no breastfeeding apps. There were no contraction apps. There were no nap <laughs> apps. <laughs> None of those things. So... Uh, my lifeline was being dragged out by the prenatal group and uh, going to breastfeeding drop-in clinic and just the community health nurse and meeting friends that way and just having other mums who are going through exactly the same thing as you are. Met a dear friend and we still are really good friends. And in fact, our kids commute to university now together. So it really is quite sweet. So the people that you meet when your children are young are some of the closest people you will have because you have a joint experience together. So, you know, a girlfriend phoning you up and sort of saying, hey, I'm coming over there with smoothies and lunch. Just go, just arrive, take a load of laundry home, wash their laundry for them, do those sort of things. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know how different it would be if I had um, a cell phone and the ability to be online and, and those kind of things. So. You're up all night breast, uh, breastfeeding and talking to your friends who are also <laughs> up breastfeeding. Exactly. This is what happened. You just sit <laughs> online and you talk to each other. Well, my child was up at this time. Well, my child was up at this time. Well, we had to wait once a week and go, and, or else you'd have to pick up the phone. And, of course, nobody was around at 3 o'clock in the morning. Especially the whole family's up, yeah, right? Yeah, well, I... I my daughter was a purple cry or a colicky baby, so that was just hell. <laughs> so I think that would I would have loved the support of um, of Facebook and other people. I think everyone has it a lot easier now as far as getting the support, but person to person, mm-hmm. looking at that expression, seeing those faces, that's just invaluable. And for you, Chantal, any advice for or support tips for a family with premature baby? Well, I would say if your child's in the NICU, or even if they're not in the NICU, the time that they're in the hospital to really utilize the information that those nurses have. They are taking care of special needs babies constantly, uh, day in, day out, and they're really good at their jobs. Now, all of them have a different way of doing things, and if you just take kind of all the information with a grain of salt and do what works best for you and your family, I think that there's a lot of takeaway from that. I also, I didn't have family here, so I used the community health nurse as well when I had breastfeeding issues or worried about my latch. I also used my midwife up to six weeks. Um, and then now uh, my mom's group definitely is a lifesaver. We can chit-chat about what our kids are doing now. We can ask for information, ask for help if we need it. I felt very isolated 
during mat leave, everyone thinks it's very glamorous uh, that you get a year off. But if you don't have a lot of friends who are also off, it's quite isolating. So I found mom's group for sure, Facebook groups. Um, when you go out and take your kids to activity centers, uh, go out and talk to some other moms and make some friends because, yeah, they're friends that you'll have for a long time. And I'd say don't be a hero. Take the medication. (laughs) If you're in pain, if you feel it coming on, take the ibuprofen. Just do it. Nobody's going to go, wow, you were really stoic today. You stuck it out for three hours in agony. So take the pain medicine so that you will be a better mom. Just What do you mean? There's no award for no medication? <laughs> <laughs> no. Though somehow we think somebody's going to walk in with a big badge of honor. But no, just take the Advil. You're tough anyway. <laughs> All right, ladies, I think it's time for a conversation card. It's time for a conversation card. Every week we like to play a game, not only for fun, but to get to know our guests a little more too. Nobody knows what the mystery card might ask, sometimes silly and sometimes serious. Let's find out what it will be this week. Heather, can you pick one and read it to us, please? All right, our question today is, would you prefer to have many acquaintances or a few very close friends? Oh, for me, definitely would be a few very close friends so that you have that camaraderie and they know what's going on in your life than, than just having some fly-by-night friends or someone that you can just rant to. I'd rather someone that I can really have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. And for you, Lee? Uh, ditto on that one, close friends, <laughs> always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll say the same thing, close friends. I moved across Canada from Ontario. I lived in Saskatchewan, and then I moved here, and I have one best friend from each of those places, Um, and those are, like, the people that I rely on the most. I have a best friend here as well, Um, and my mom used to always tell me when I was younger that your really good friends that you have, you can usually count on one hand, and she's Mm -hmm. absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And for you, Heather? Definitely the close friends, yeah. Um, my husband's kind of the opposite. He's, he's he's like, you don't have very many friends. I'm like, no, babe, I have a few really good friends, and that's a difference. And it's not how many friends you have on Facebook. It's, you know, those ones you can actually <laughs> count on and know that they're going to be there for you. So, yeah. yeah. Same thing here. I definitely, um, yeah, you don't have that many really close friends that know every single bit of your secrets, you know? Mm-hmm. And those ones, yeah, you like Chantal said, you can probably count them on one hand, right? Yeah. Those are the ones that you have to keep, though. Oh, oh yeah. The ones that know all your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure they will blackmail you. No. All right. Well, that concludes uh, today's episode. I want to thank you, uh, Catherine. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Chantal. Thank you, Heather, for being here. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your contribution in other parents' life. For our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean. Or you can subscribe directly to this podcast on our website so you don't miss an episode of Parent Talk. Don't forget to rate and review us. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents by sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and have a great week.